How's it going, everybody? This is Greg Knox, and these are the worst date movies ever. On this show, I am joined by blogger and podcaster Lucy Buglas. Lucy, how's it going? Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be doing this. That's right. I'm very, very, very glad to have you. So the film that myself and Lucy are going to be talking about on the show today is Excision, which was your choice, Lucy. It was, yeah. It's one of my favourites. Cool. Right. So in case you have never listened to the show before, this is the point where I warn you about possible kind of disturbing content. Although in this film, I'm not really sure that applies, but that's just my opinion. And also to warn you that there will be spoilers. So, yeah, watch out for those. So, Excision is directed by Richard Bates Jr. Now, Lucy, have you heard or watched, rather, any of Mr. Bates Jr.'s previous films? I haven't, actually. Excision is my first one. Oh, okay. Well, you're in for a treat. So, I've actually seen all of his three previous films. So, uh, so Excision was his first full-length film. And then he followed that up with a film called Suburban Gothic, which is a comedy horror more in the realm of comedy rather than horror, I would say. And that stars Matthew Gray Goobler and Kat Dennings and Ray Wise, who's in this film, but in a more prominent role. And it's it's all right. It's not as good as Excision, though, in my opinion. And then he made a film called Trash Fire, which I really, really like. Again, it's kind of more in the vein of Excision, and again, it stars Annalyn McCord, but in like a supporting role. Mm-hmm. Um, I really, really like that film. I do actually recommend that one as well as Excision. And he actually has a new film out this year called Tone Death, which stars Robert Patrick, the T-1000 himself. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, he hasn't made that many films, but a film that I haven't mentioned that he did make was Excision which is actually a short film. So Mm -hmm. Excision, before it was a full-length film, was a short in 2008. It's 18 minutes long. It's on YouTube if you want to watch it. And all the incidents in the short film all happen in this full-length version of the film as well. So it's basically... Well, if you you didn't like Excision and you kind of wanted to watch it in a short, sort of more condensed version, hey, watch the short film. It's all right. It's kind of not as good obviously because it's a short it's got a much lower budget the acting's not as good and things like that the hallucination scenes which i really like in this version aren't as good obviously because it's on a much lower budget and the lead who plays pauline is an actress called tessa ferrer or ferrer and yeah she wasn't as good as handling mccord in my opinion but yeah if you like the full-length version of excision then yeah by all means check the short out that's what I think, anyway. Yeah, I know. I heard it was a short originally, which I haven't watched shamefully, but I, I must. Especially because I've got a short film Saturdays call, I should really review that on there. But oh, wow. That'd be good, yeah. Well, it sounds absolutely <laughs> ideal for it, though. Yeah, it sounds perfect. Yeah, you should hook up with my friend Tom. Uh, Tom Cannon, who I've done my uh, this show with a couple of times, he loves short films. Oh, nice, yeah. He loves it. At Fright Fest, he always does a short film showcase. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he yeah, short films, he absolutely loves them. Yeah, no, they're good. I think it's because they're such um, a difficult format to perfect, you know, in such a, uh, like you said, short space, a time and low budget often. So it's nice to see them done well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like they had to really, really cram the story in quite a sort of small space. Yeah. So obviously I prefer the full length version, but it's still worth checking out if you're a fan of the film. Yeah. 
So the film stars as Pauline Annalyn McCord. Now, I really like Annalyn McCord. Um, I first saw it in this film. And yeah, I think she's really, really awesome. And in this film, she's very, very much playing against type. So she's mostly famous for being in uh, television. So she was on Nip Tuck, which I saw the first couple of seasons of. I kind of switched off during season two. I don't remember her being in it. So she must have come in maybe a bit later, unless my memory is really horrible. But she's most famous for being in 90210. Um, Apparently, she's a very prominent character in that. Um, But yeah, this is kind of my main kind of exposure to her and yeah i think she's awesome uh, the mother phyllis is played by tracy lords who started off as a porn star believe it or not um, but she's moved into legit in inverted commas sort of cinema she's made films you know directed by john waters so she's been in cry baby she was in serial mom and she's been in a few other films as well again i think she's really good in this uh, the daughter is Grace. It's played by Ariel Winter, who is best known for being in Modern Family, which I've never seen. But there you go. That's what she's in. And the dad is played by Roger Bart, who is more of like a character actor. But very interestingly, uh, in his back catalogue of films, he's in Hostel Part 2. <laughs> very random. Uh, Midnight Meat Train, which I've not seen but it's meant to be quite good. And Smiley, which is one of the worst horror films of this decade by far. So yeah, quite an eclectic filmography that he has. And there's lots of cameos as well, but we're going to go into those kind of as we go on. So Lucy, uh, can you tell the listeners the story of Excision? Yeah, of course. So obviously, as we mentioned, it follows a girl called Pauline, who's 18. She's in high school. She's very close to graduation. And she's basically obsessed with blood to the point where she has a lot of sexual fantasies about them. And we see these spliced throughout the film. And because of this, she dreams of becoming a surgeon, essentially. She really wants to go into medicine. Obviously, her mother is not happy about this because she just thinks she's being deluded. And well, well she is being deluded. Um And yeah, there's a lot of sort of like family drama spliced in with some really dark imagery with a little bit of like teen sort of like, you know, high school movie as well. It's it's a bit of a mashup of a lot of things. But essentially, Pauline um, eventually starts to explore her surgeon career and desires by cutting into things and, and so forth. And it takes a very dark turn, shall we say, which I'm sure we will go into. Later oh yes, on. we will definitely. Yeah. <laughs> essentially, that that's it. So that that's essentially the basic plot line of what's going on here. Yeah. So uh, Richard Bates Jr. has in fact said that for this film, his main influences were David Cronenberg, so the body horror aspect, mm-hmm. Todd Solondz. So that would be like the general sort of tone of the film itself, sort of kind of black comedic, sort of American indie. Mm-hmm. John Hughes, which. I guess it kind of makes sense more in the first half of the film, sort of his sort of films that he did mm. in the 80s. And Alejandro Hodorowsky, so they would be the surreal kind of hallucination fantasy elements in yeah. the film. Which, yeah, I, I like those, I would say. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of what he was thinking of when he made the film. To me, a lot of the film does remind me of American Beauty as well. Yeah, I can see that. Um, so is, is there anything that you think that you know it Mm. reminds you of that i haven't mentioned no i think 
it's an interesting one because it's unlike anything I've ever seen before in the sense that it borrows from things but still manages to be fresh somehow. So I like yeah. that. I like the fact it's like a big mashup of different things. You know, you cited a lot of really good filmmakers there that he's drawn inspiration from. So that's a good picture to paint, I think. Yeah, yeah. So I normally would probably hate something like this. The only reason I say that is there are a lot of what I call shit American indie tropes in this. Mm-hmm. So, for example, the use of songs yep. during scenes and then it will go to like another song. So that, I, I can't remember, I, I think Wes Anderson is what who most people associate that with, but I don't know if he was the first director to do that. But mm. everyone started doing it and ripping him off. Yeah. basically but yeah you've got that aspect to it and yeah those kind of films are like apart from really really shit comedies they're like my least favorite type of films so what they're what i call garden state films so they're basically films that are really big at like sundance and they're very self-consciously quirky and yeah i don't know i just find them really annoying and shit (laughs) yeah that's fair enough (laughs) But this isn't like that. I'm not. This is not like that at all. I'm just saying it has some of those kind of tropes. Yeah, no, I'd agree. But they actually use them differently. So the first thing that you see when uh, the film starts is one of the many hallucinations slash fantasy type scenes that Pauline has about her being a surgeon and the various kind of blood-related fantasies that she has. Now, I really like these because, first of all, they look very different. So they're very... The colour grading is used very well in that... One of the things I hate about... You don't really get this now, but about 10 years ago, all horror films had to look really grey or really brown. Mm-hmm. So it had a really boring colour palette. At least now, what horror directors do is they at least think, hmm, we can actually make our films look really colourful. So what he's done is he's oversaturated the colours. So, for example, in the very, very first one of these fantasies, the wall, it kind of looks like a bathroom wall with tiles on it, and they're very blue, and the blue is very prominent and very bright. So I really like that. And Pauline looks very different. She looks closer to how Annalyn McCord herself would look in normal life i would say Mm -hmm. um so yeah so i really enjoyed those how did you feel about them yeah i thought they were brilliant and it's a really amazing way to start the film as well just that like scene where she's facing a version of herself that's essentially very slowly vomiting up blood and she's getting gradually and gradually more turned on by it it kind of tells you what you're going to expect for the rest of the film um and you're right they're beautifully stylized they're highly saturated they're very different to the rest of the film so it kind of you know, like sometimes they do flashbacks and they make them like grayscale or something. It just makes it very clear that it's a separate part of reality and we know what we're getting ourselves into. Um, and yeah, like the, the real almost, like you said, Annalyn McCord, she looks, you know, more like herself in, in this, but like when she's in real life, she's more sort of, you know, unkempt actually is, is the word I wrote down. She's kind of, you know, she's got really straggly hair and, and acne and all that. So I love the parallel there. You know, the kind of the version of herself that she wants to be versus her actual self. Although, weirdly, I actually find her more attractive as Pauline <laughs> Do in <you>? real life. <laughs> she really, really, I'm going to get in so much trouble for saying this. She actually reminds me of someone that I had a sexual relationship with a while ago. Oh, really? <laughs> not in like the, not her personality, just how she looks. Okay. She actually really reminds me of someone. So, uh, yeah, I think she's really hot <laughs> that's, <laughs> that, that's fair enough you know yeah. yeah 
And her character is very interesting. I want to know your take on this. So I am on the autistic spectrum. To me, her character is someone who, because at first she kind of gets bullied a little bit in the film, but she doesn't get as bullied as I expected her to get, if that makes sense, in these types of films. Her character is very confident, almost too confident, almost like she's got like narcissistic personality disorder. But I think inadvertently, although I'm assuming it wasn't written like this, she could be the character in a way could be on the spectrum Mm -hmm. because a lot of autistic people, and I, I say this, you know, from my own experience, we get these ideas where we think we're helping people and in our mind, we're doing a good thing, even though if you actually break it down, it's horrendous. Yeah. And like, why are you doing this? This is insane. But we think we're helping out. So yeah, I thought that might be a character trait. Yeah, no, that, I never thought about it that way. That's actually a really good analysis of her character because she has like no filter at all. Like she just goes around and says like really like blunt things like, oh, I need to take a shit or whatever, you know, things that are just not socially acceptable, shall we say, when, in, when in tells, society. Uh, when she tells the little girl that she, you know, have you thought about getting work done? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's, that is a prime example of what you just mentioned. Like, oh, you know, I'm trying to help, you know, <laughs> she's not really thinking straight. Yeah. And, you know, she she very casually alludes to what she eventually does at the end of the film, but you don't st- start to realise what her intentions are until a bit later on. But, yeah, it's very clever how they've done that. Yeah, it's, uh, I have to say, unfortunately, not to this extent, but I have done that before, where I've said something thinking I'm being nice, but I'm mm. actually showing no tact whatsoever. Yeah. Which is quite ironic because she does actually accuse her mother of having no tact at some point in the film when it comes to her cold sore. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, yeah, that that becomes a big sort of theme with her, doesn't it? Obviously, there's uh, there's talk of um, STIs and so forth, which we'll get into. But yeah, she she she's kind of she's interesting in that sense, isn't she? Because you're not quite sure what's up, I guess. Uh, and she seems very self-aware. Like she asks for a psychiatrist. She's like, I want a psychiatrist. And like, you know, pe- some people are not fully aware of what they're doing, but she seems to be very self-aware, yet delusional. It's it's very strange. <laughs> yeah. Like I find it interesting how when she's talking to John Waters, I love John Waters. I think John Waters is yeah. fucking awesome. Um, and yeah, he cameos in this film as a priest slash therapist, which is a very <laughs> weird combination. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not a religious person myself, but if I wanted to seek help, I probably wouldn't talk to my priest. No offence to any priests out there who happen to be listening to this show. It's right up your alley. Um, But yeah, it's quite interesting. She almost seems like she says she hates going to church and she finds sermons boring, but she does pray a lot and she does talk to God. Yeah, I noticed that. I'm interested to understand what the reason for that was. um, Possibly like... Just thinking about it off the top of my head, I imagine because uh, she's the character is quite an egocentric character, and maybe she feels like she has no one she can talk to, so she has these conversations with God, where basically she's explaining kind of what she's thinking and what she wants to do, you know, talking mm-hmm. about losing her virginity and things like that. So, yeah, that's I think how I see it. Yeah, 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 I'd agree with that. Yeah, now. The the key relationship in the film is between Pauline and her mother. Now, yep. I don't have this kind of experience myself, so I'm in no way qualified, so I'm going to defer to you on this. Um, but it, 
this is going to sound bad, but do all girls have really bad relationships with their mothers? Not or is it just me? Not at all. No, no. I, I love my okay. mum. We're really close, actually. Um, oh, okay. Fair so enough. neither of us are probably best equipped to talk about this. But I think, you know, it's very, her family life is very, like, middle-class American. So, you know, both of us being Brits, we have no idea what we're talking about, right? <laughs> so we can just analyse it as best as we can. Yeah, like, they do this cotillion thing, which I'd never yeah, even heard Yeah, like, of. what the fuck is that? <laughs> Looks like hell. Yeah, I mean, on paper, it does sound like a great idea, because as someone who's socially awkward as fuck, mm. the idea of having, like, something set up where you can actually meet people... And it's not really cringy, although it kind of is in the film. But yeah, yeah, the idea is it's almost like this very old way of being introduced to people. Like you see it in like Jane Austen films or novels rather, where it's like, oh, you will have to introduce you to to this person, you know, and you might, you know, want to marry them and things like that. So it does feel very kind of almost antiquated. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Sort of way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, kind of, hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure I'd do it with children that age though <laughs> no it's a bit weird <laughs> yeah and i think the relationship between pauline and her mum is very significant you know obviously they kind of butt heads constantly throughout the film and and again we're going to get on at the ending but that's kind of almost who's trying to get a final seal of approval almost and trying to do a good thing uh but uh, horrifies her mum obviously but like the two of them they just hate each other <laughs> it's, it's so clear and yeah, it's quite a, sad. Yeah, they have a weird kind of love-hate relationship, I think, where yeah. I think they do love each other really, but they just get on each other's nerves a lot. Yeah. And it's very kind of sitcom-y in a way where you've got the younger daughter, who's clearly the favourite, yeah. and you've got the dad who's really put upon and doesn't really stand up for himself enough and things like that. But yeah, it's yeah, it's a very kind of strained kind of mother-daughter relationship. And, and yeah, it does go through kind of ebbs and flows, which kind of does lead to the ending, which obviously we're going to get to at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I love the random cameos in this as well. So I already mentioned John Waters. Malcolm McDowell's in this. Yeah. It's a good. It's a movie not directed by Rob Zombie that he decided to appear in. It's always <laughs> nice. Uh, Marley Matlin, who's the deaf woman who I think is a teacher, but she's in charge of the cotillion. So she turns up in this. Ray Wise. I love Ray Wise. He's awesome. Uh, he's the principal. So he's one for all you Twin Peaks fans out there. <laughs> And um, another guy, uh, Matthew Gray Goobler. So he has appeared in all three of Richard Bates Jr.'s films that I've seen. He's really good. Um, he's in a movie that I saw quite recently at Fright Fest called 68 Kill with Annalyn McCord, weirdly enough. <laughs> nice. Um, so, so yeah, so he's actually, he, he's pretty good. I, I think he was quite funny in his cameo. Yeah. Being the teacher talking about STDs and sex education and stuff like that. Yeah, and I think that is where the sort of classic like teen movie tropes do come in. But obviously, in this film, are taken to such an extreme <laughs> that would never be done in like some high school bullshit film that you know people are used to. Um, but I think he parodied that character really well. You know, the character that gets the piss taken out of him. Like I think someone writes a question like, "Oh, can you suck your own dick or something?" and he just like kicks off about it. Um, yeah, I really like his character actually. Yeah, I think it was, um, if I suck my own dick, does that make me gay? That was it, yeah. Sorry, it was was something like that, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And he just, like, gets really angry about it. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's great. 
Um, now, in terms of kind of how this might not necessarily be a very, very good date movie, so you already mentioned the kind of hallucination scenes. There's one in particular. I mean, they're all kind of highly stylized, and yeah, they all look vaguely similar. Mm-hmm. Although Alan McCord looks very different in most of them. Some scenes she's got like glasses on. Some she's got different hair. Um, but they're all yeah, very very oversaturated. As I say, uh, the one that stood out to me is one. Well, apart from the sex scene, mm-hmm. which we're going to get to in a minute, is the one where she's doing the Elizabeth Bathory thing, bathing in blood. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a pretty awesome visual. That was gorgeous to look at, yeah, and just crawling across all these bodies and getting a bath, yeah. That was really well done. I like that. Yeah, yeah no, me too, me too, yeah. it looked awesome. And as well, I do like the way that the film looks generally. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know if you agree with this or not, but one of the things I noticed the second time that I saw it is that it's got kind of the symmetrical framing that, like, say, for example, Wes Anderson uses, but not to that extreme of an extent mm. not, it's not obviously got the same production design either because literally with the wes anderson film i only bring up wes anderson because i know you went to a marathon yeah. of all his films recently <laughs> but that, yeah literally a wes anderson film you know you're watching oh yeah. his films within two seconds mm-hmm. just because of the production design and, and the tone and things like that um but yeah i did notice not just with the music choices sort of in the second half of the film but just the way that some of the most of well a lot of the framing is in that it's very symmetrical in that two well you'll have two characters kind of having a conversation and yeah just the way it's framed i just thought was quite interesting yeah no absolutely and again i keep banging on about it but that final scene that is a key example of that as well so, yes. yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're, okay. go- we're going to get to it eventually. <laughs> well, no, we'll, we'll bring it up now. Fuck it. Why not? We cool. brought it up enough times. Screw it. <laughs> Screw it. So, yeah. So we've already mentioned that, obviously, you know, the, the main character, Pauline, Pauline's very delusional. So she wants to be a surgeon. She thinks that she's going to be a great surgeon, but she's had no training whatsoever. She's read a few books and that's it. She tries to do a kind of surgical operation on a bird which fails, which obviously it would. Come on now. It's a fucking bird, and it's probably dead anyway. I don't know what she thought she was going to do there, but oh well. And her sister has cystic fibrosis, and although she doesn't look sick, she is very, very sick. And obviously, at one point in the film, she has a friend with cystic fibrosis we don't see, but who dies off screen, and that obviously upsets her. So that kind of reminds the audience that, you know, hey, you could die at any point. You know, you've got to watch out for that. And then what happens is that Pauline, again, trying to be helpful. This is, you know, trying to be helpful. She then performs this lung transplant operation by herself, which is a terrible idea to begin with, just in the garage using, like, kitchen knives and things like that. And, yeah, she performs this operation, which... I mean, we don't know kind of how it goes, but I'm assuming there's a very, very good chance that it went very badly. Yeah. I'd like to think that her sister is dead. That's kind of what I got from it. (laughs) We assume her sister is is dead, which the weird thing is she probably would have died anyway based Mm -hmm. on kind of what the film told us. But this just kind of, you know, maybe she died a bit earlier than maybe she should have done. Yeah, and obviously Pauline has killed somebody else in order to get those lungs also. So she's basically murdered two people in a garage, <laughs> um, thinking she's done a good thing. 
Yeah, but that girl was a bitch. She kind of she was. Yeah, I didn't fucking care about her, but still, in the eyes of the law, <laughs> in the eyes of the law, yeah. she's wrong. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, it's it's just it's the height of her delusion at that point, and I think it's the perfect ending. Yeah, it's a weird ending in that it's very very extreme. The mm-hmm. the short had the same ending in that the the mum and daughter are hugging, and they're both clearly well. The mother's clearly very very upset. And it's very open-ended in a way because you don't know what happens next, mm-hmm. which I like. Um, I mean, so what? How would you think it would go if, like, the film kept going? God, um, well, I think her mum would have no choice but to like put her in some kind of institution if she wasn't already incarcerated by that point. Um, and I, I do believe that her sister's dead. You know, I, I don't think that she could have successfully done a lung transplant by herself. You know, it's it's such a difficult operation, which she alludes to early on in the film. Oh, there's only a X amount of survival rate or whatever. Um, so, yeah, she's really fucked up at this point. And I don't think there's any going back for her. I think she's really hit, like, peak delusion. So I kind of see her either in jail or in, like, an asylum or something. Yeah, well, that is basically what I think as well. So yeah. <laughs> she would probably have to go to some kind of insane asylum. And mm. for the mother, it's really heartbreaking because you've lost one daughter because she's died. Mm-hmm. And the, the other one, the, they have a very strained relationship anyway. And it's a case of, you know, she, I think she still loves her. So it might be that she would be one of those parents who would become almost um, delusional themselves about their own children. Yeah, definitely. I think anyway. Mm-hmm. She she strikes me as as that kind of character. Um but yeah, it's the most fucked up scene in the film. Yeah, I by think. far. By far. Yeah, because the film itself has got a weird tone in that it's clearly dark, but it's more got a blackly comedic tone. It's not nasty. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of the most upsetting thing that happens in the film. There was no way that the film could continue after this because there is literally nowhere else it could go. No. So I think he, the director ended it at the perfect time. But, yeah, it was, it was a very, very harrowing scene, literally right to end with. So it ends on a very, very down note. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, in terms of, of graphicness, it probably is one of the most graphic scenes as well. So that's probably the most disturbing scene after the period sex scene, which we'll probably get into. <laughs> well, I was going to yeah. come on to that next. So yes, nice. we're both on the same page. <laughs> um, yeah, so that is the most graphic scene in the film in terms of gore, yep. in inverted commas. And this is a horror film. It's not a horror film in like the traditional sense of the word. So there's no jump scares and there is some gore, but it's a body horror film. So mm-hmm. like I mentioned Cronenberg. So in a way, his films aren't scary, all ghouls or ghosts or monsters or anything like that. But yeah, it's about the body being changed. Yeah, exactly. So there's that. And obviously any film that's to do with you know, teenage girls coming of age, there's always going to be some kind of degree of body transformation in there as well. If you look at a film like Ginger Snaps. Yes, exactly. Which is a very obvious kind of film to bring up. If anyone hasn't seen Ginger Snaps, I do recommend it. It's very good. It's one of the only good werewolf (laughs) films that there are, really. Unfortunately, there aren't that many. There's American Werewolf in London, which is the obvious one. There's Wolfman. There's The Howling. There's Dog Soldiers, which is pretty good. Um, and that's about it. I, I'm sure there's a couple of others. Our late phases is quite good as well. Um, but yeah, anyway. So uh, yeah, uh, Gin Snap's a very good film, everybody. Now, 
come on to the sexual aspect of the film. Mm-hmm. So menstruation is a very, very risky topic. Yeah. Particularly uh, because certain people do get very, very squeamish around it. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I'm really sorry that I'm going to ask you this. No, not at all. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> How do I put this? I'm trying. I'm trying to approach this subject as gently and as tactfully as possible. Um, but the idea of sex when a woman is on her period mm-hmm. now is this a massive taboo issue, in your opinion? I think yes. You know, I think people do it, but you know, a lot of my friends and you know, from my experience, it's not something that we particularly look forward to. You know, right. whereas in the film, Pauline wants to lose her virginity when she's on a period. So it's a very important part of, of that experience for her. But for a normal woman, it's kind of just sort of like, oh, OK, I guess so. It, it's not for me. It's not enjoyable. <laughs> but I, I know that some women, you know, it's a bit it's a bit nicer down there or whatever. But, you know, it, it's 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 a bit sort of like it is a bit sort of taboo because, like, oh, blood, oh, gross, you know, um, because periods are still taboo, unfortunately. Yeah, so you've got the image of the bloody tampon, first of all. Yeah, like, nice close-up there. <laughs> yes, which, again, that, that freaks people out. Yeah. And then you've got... I mean, it's one of the best scenes in the film, not just because it's Anne McCord having sex on camera, but <laughs> because, as as Pauline, you know, again, like that's like a multiplier-type thing. No, um, but because it, you've got... That's the only time where the reality and the fantasy cross... Mm-hmm where she's fantasizing at the same time as the reality. I mean, it's kind of very typical looking, kind of awkward, kind of first time sort of fumbling type sex yep. where you don't really know what you're doing. Uh, and there, and then, yeah, you've got the, the great scene where he goes down on her and then because <laughs> she's on her period, he very quickly realizes this. <laughs> and then he's got blood all over his, around his mouth. Yeah. Which, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I can't say that's ever happened to me before. Well, but... that's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but for her, it's obviously a huge thing. So I think that kind of moment is big and visceral. And like you said, it's when the, the two realities cross, like, you know, for a moment. Um, and she's fantasizing while she's actually doing it. Um, obviously, there's a hell of a lot of blood in her fantasy. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's a very yeah. uncomfortable scene, I think. And I think if I was watching that with a date, they'd be a bit like, what the fuck? Like, you know, like, <laughs> like what is going on here? It's probably one of the most awkward scenes in the film, I think. Right. Did you watch this by yourself, incidentally? Today I did, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I did anyway, but that's, you know, not necessarily by choice. But yeah, it's just the, the way I did it. But um, no, okay, that's cool. Um, and then that is followed up by with a fantasy scene where she thinks, oh, you know, um, it because they didn't use a condom. Mm-hmm. So she's imagining, oh, you know, I'm on birth control, but it's not 100% effective. So, oh, well, you know, fuck it. You know, if I got pregnant, I'd just have an abortion. And she has this fantasy where she kind of has an abortion. Yeah. And then the, the dead fetus just gets put in. Now, was this an oven or a microwave? I couldn't make out. It looked like a washing machine. Yeah, it was it's really strange. I think it was like an oven, but it like explodes. So I'm not, yeah. I'm not quite sure, but it was definitely some kind of like, you know, heaty device <laughs> you know a heaty device yes very, yeah it's very technical cool. i agree yeah. with that <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was like i'd be a bit worried i've not had that happen when i've put anything in my oven so <laughs> clearly it's a super super strong oven 
Yeah, that that was a very strange scene. I think a lot of people might be offended by that. Yes, I imagine they probably would. <laughs> yeah, abortion, particularly in America. Oh yeah, um, a very very taboo subject. Mm-hmm. Do we think this is set in the South, by the way? Because I don't know if they actually said where this is. Yeah, I think on the number plate. Did the guy's number plate say Virginia? I think it did. So right, it, it okay. might be Virginia, but I'm not quite sure. Yeah, which would indicate, yeah, because mm. it's tough. Because I'm just thinking because of the cotillion, because of the religious aspects, yeah. it's more likely to be south of the Bible Belt, as though, sorry. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, I think from, from my understanding, America tends to be a tad more religious than we do, in terms oh, of, like, out, bit, out, yeah. <laughs> yes, outwardly spoken, so anyway. Um, so I don't think it's uncommon for religion to be so prominent, and certainly, you know, the taboo around abortion and stuff. I think it's a, it's a well, it's a global issue, actually. So that would probably piss a lot of people off. <laughs> yeah, although you, I don't know if you've heard of this or not, but there's that film that came out in America this year. It's called, I think, Unplanned. Oh, I fucking hate this film. Like, right. I'm so angry at them about this. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you, Lifetime Channel, make this pro, like anti-abortion film, isn't it? It's just it's, it's propaganda, basically. It is basically propaganda, yeah. 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 Yeah, it's like I think it's the lowest rated film on Letterboxd that's come out in 2019. Oh, well, so, that's good. <laughs> yeah, I think people kind of see through it for what it is, but yeah, it's just flagrant kind of. If anyone hasn't even heard of this film, it's it's basically like a. It's not. It's an anti-choice film. It's not even pro-choice. It's this woman who works at like a is it an abortion clinic, and then I can't remember if something happens to her or someone that she knows, and yeah. then it's like, oh well, you know, I've decided that I don't want to, you know, make people have abortions now because it's not right. Yeah, I think it, I haven't even seen it. I don't want to honestly, but I think it's kind of like, oh, she sees the truth or something, and it's like, what? Like, stop! Yeah. Like, it's just so degrading, honestly. Total nonsense. Mm, totally. I am very, very uh, staunchly pro-choice if it wasn't obvious enough. So. Well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry for anybody out there that's not. But. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely, as you should be. Yeah. It's common sense, isn't it? Yeah, I like to think so. <laughs> Yeah. Um, as well as that, I mean, we're talking about kind of why this might not necessarily be a good date movie. So there's mm-hmm. a line near the start of the film which is, can you contract an STD from a dead person? <laughs> yeah. Not quite sure why she's thinking of necrophilia because it never comes up for the rest of the film. But okay, maybe she's that desperate to lose her virginity, she'll consider any option whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> kind of weird. And so we're talking about uh, the the whole sex aspect of it. We talked about the various different fantasy scenes. Uh, we got uh, STD again. We've got cold sore stuff. Oh yeah, that's I, pretty gross. <laughs> yeah, I mean, thankfully, thank God, I've never had anything like that. But yeah, herpes, I think, in general is a, again a pretty weird kind of taboo topic mm-hmm. as such. Um, there's self-harm, although Pauline says it's not self-harm, which is near the end of the film, where she, uh, it's scarification, she does like a cross in her arm, so any kind of self-harm, again, that might put some people off, wouldn't put me off. Yeah, she also but... she also vomits on one of her classmates at one point. <laughs> yeah, she does, it's quite yeah. interesting, so yeah, hey, two shows ago, guess what guys, I did a whole show about films where people vomit all over each other, for real. <laughs> This one, unfortunately, not for real. Um, so I was quite upset about that. As would be Lucifer Valentine. I'm sure he prefers the real thing. But, yep, she does make herself vomit to try and get out of this cotillion thing, I guess. Yeah, I don't blame her. 
<laughs> I don't blame her at all either. Um, the scene where she's dissecting a bird. So you've got dead animals. That's kind of weird. Yeah. with weird kind of issues with roadkill. And there's use of the C word as well, which yeah. some people don't like. Yeah, so it's not, it's not a pleasant film, but it's not well, the worst. <laughs> well, so overall then, would you recommend the film? I would, absolutely, yeah. For any horror fans out there, for sure. Yeah, me too. Um, I think it it's uh, very well directed. Mm-hmm. It looks great. I think the acting is really good in it. Um, particularly Anna Lynn McCord. I think she's really good. Yeah. Uh, so it's very much an against type role for her. Mm. Um, quite interestingly, I read an interview with the director where originally he wanted the girl who played Pauline in the short to play Pauline and it didn't work out for whatever reason. And Anna Lynn McCord somehow, I think, got hold of the script and uh, said, look, I really want to be in this film. Can I meet you to do a read-through, whatever it is they do in the film business? And he was like, who is this girl? Like, I can't imagine th- this, you know, super attractive woman being, like, this character. And then, yeah, she turned up and he met her, and apparently, yeah, she's absolutely perfect for it. And, yeah, it worked out really well. Mm-hmm. I think the whole film kind of hinges on her performance. Oh, yeah, for sure. She, she's fantastic. It's one of my favourite performances of hers. I've seen her, like, in... I have seen her in, like, The O.C. and all that shit, but, like, you know... Not that I like that. <laughs> but you know, No, no, obviously she, not. Yeah, yeah, she's kind of been typecasted into saying like, that pretty, like, girl, whatever, like, blonde, but it's nice to see her stepping out of her comfort zone. So I thought she was great. Like, really, yeah, really good. It's, it's weird. Um, She hasn't really had any other kind of work similar to this other than for this director, because her character in... Uh, Trash Fire is actually very kind of similar to this in where she's very, very... I mean, she's even... I mean, I use this definitely in inverted commas, but, like, less attractive yeah. than she is in real life. She's de-glamming, for sure, mm-hmm. uh, playing someone who is, was, like, uh, disfigured in a fire. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely as, as unattractive as... Well, less attractive, anyway, as you could be. Um, but yeah, I, I recommend, I really enjoy it. As I said, I'm not really a fan of kind of really quirky kind of American films like this, but it, this one has the right balance, I think, of the kind of, you mentioned Todd Salons. It is very similar to kind of one of his films. It's kind of got a very blackly comedic tone. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I found the, the lead character very, very interesting, very, very engaging. It's actually one of my favourite performances by a character in a horror movie this decade. Yeah, no, that's really, I really high praise. I totally agree as well. Yeah, It's awesome. Um, so yeah, I recommend it as well. Now, the key question, <laughs> as a date movie, would you say it's a good date movie or a bad date movie? Uh, definitely I'd say bad, just because of what we've gone into, about all the blood and all that stuff. <laughs> okay. I was thinking it might not be a bad date movie until I watched it again, and then I actually looked through everything that I'd written down, and I thought, yeah, you know what? this is probably not a good idea as a date movie. So I agree with you. I'd say it's a bad date movie. And from a scale of one to five, one being it's a, you know all right date movie, but you could probably do better to August Underground slash Solo slash Cannibal Holocaust uh, slash Vomit Gore mm. um, on the other end of the scale. How would you rate it? I'd probably only give it like a two because it's not as extreme as some of the films that you've gone into. But it's definitely not date movie like worthy. 
you know, I think if you've got a strong stomach or if you do enjoy more out there films, you might enjoy it. You're not going to be 100% psychologically disturbed by it, but it's still not advised that you take a first date to see it, for example. So I think two would be a good score from me. It's more like a third or a fourth date. (laughs) Well, I don't know. It depends on who your date is. (laughs) Or how upset they are by like surgery and menstruation. True. I actually agree with you. This is actually the first time that a guest has, has rated a film and I actually agree with oh, them. Oh, wow. So, yes, I actually agree it's probably a two. I would say a low two. Mm-hmm. It's not a high two by any stretch of the imagination. I, again, because it's kind of, it, not just because of the, the body horror elements. The body horror elements obviously pretty bad in terms of just like menstruation and so the ending of the film as well. But, it, the lead character isn't someone who you would probably have as a lead in most of these kind of films. There's very much someone who, even though they're not a bad person per se, they do make questionable decisions and they are definitely delusional. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And they do basically end up killing their own sister Yeah. in what they think is trying to help them in some way. Um, so yes, yeah, so not the worst date movie, but still not very good in terms of a date movie thing. You probably might want to watch something else instead. And to be honest, you probably can't even really use this as a Netflix and chill. So, oh no, absolutely not! Especially after that scene. <laughs> no, no. Anything, any movie with sex in it is probably um, unless it's like I don't know, really awesome sex. Yeah. There and it's really erotic it's probably not a good idea. Like, the sex scene in this, it looks great, but it's definitely, and it's very nicely stylized. but it's not erotic at all. No, not at all. If anything, it'll just make people uncomfortable, I think. <laughs> but no, I do like Alan McCord, say, I like her character. She's very confident, even with her flaws. Mm-hmm. And she does have a lot of good traits, in a way. And I liked, she was very, very good, watchable screen presence, I thought. So, yeah, I recommend the film, as I said, not, necessarily a great date movie though yeah perfect <laughs> <laughs> so um if you want to buy this on either dvd or blu-ray um if you're in region two you can buy this on dvd or blu-ray from monster pictures um if you're in america you can only buy this on blu-ray from anchor bay so yeah if you want to buy it on dvd or blu-ray that's how you would do that so, Lucy, I want to thank you very much for coming on the show. Um, you have probably about a billion things to plug, <laughs> so I will uh, give you the floor to do that. Yeah, perfect. So, obviously, it's a pleasure being here. Thank you so much for having me. Um, so, you can find me. My main blog is Lucy Goes to Hollywood. Um, you can find me on Twitter, uh, Instagram, and Facebook at LGTHblog because my username is too long to put on any social so uh, I also write for a website called Jump Cut Online if you just type in Jump Cut Online they'll come up and I've also started writing with The Horrorcist for you horror fans out there so they are just at The Horrorcist on Twitter and that's where I am <laughs> Cool and you also you mentioned you host a podcast I'm actually going to be appearing on the next episode of your podcast You are yes I'm very excited about that to talk about worst date movies Yes that's going to be exactly, awesome <laughs> Exactly to talk all oh, things worst date movies to talk about my, myself my favorite topic in the whole world um <laughs> and yeah we we've already recorded it uh, it's not really a spoiler to say that um yeah it was really really awesome um i don't know when it's gonna be out do you 
know off the top of your head kind of when you think that might be out for the guys to listen to? Um, I usually do end of the month, but I will absolutely tag you everywhere and all your followers can see that if you, you know, retweet it and stuff. So Tag the shit out of I me. will. You watch this space and then it will be out. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Okay, cool. So uh, I look for, well, hopefully you guys will, will listen to that. I so say it was a very, very good podcast that myself and Lucy did. It was very, very enjoyable. Um, yeah, check it out by all means. And um, yeah, that's it for the show today. Um, again, I want to thank Lucy very much for coming on the show. And I'll see you on the very, very next show where I have one of the granddaddies of the worst eight movies ever to talk about. So I'll see you then. Thank you for listening. You can follow me on Twitter and suggest movies for me to review at Worst Date Movies. And don't forget to click subscribe wherever you're listening to this right now to never miss any future episodes of Worst Date Movies ever. Ever.